Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 23rd, 2018. Short five-game slate for Matt and I to go over, and there are some interesting spots, though. So, first game here is the Sacramento Kings at the Orlando Magic. In theory, this is a really good spot, except we just don't really know right now who is playing for the Kings, which is just going to be the case every single time we do a podcast with the Kings for the rest of the season. The one guy who I do feel pretty confident, or the two veterans that I feel confident playing are Zach Randolph and Garrett Temple, because those were the two guys who got rested tonight. Costa uh, Kufis and Vince Carter started. It was one of the weirder coaching lineup decisions I think we've seen all season. So I think George Hill maybe gets rested, maybe Vince Carter gets rested, maybe Costa Kufis gets rested. But we don't really know for sure right now. And then I think we just kind of have to go off from there. So Scal at 4,400, I would assume that he's going to be a decent play again. Same with uh, De'Aaron Fox at 5,200. Those guys, I think, should both get minutes and have decent value to their price tags, and then everybody else is kind of a wait and see. From the Magic side of the game, this is a good spot for the Magic. The Kings are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. The issue is just some of the price tags on these guys. So Aaron Gordon at 8,100. I think it's a good spot for him. I just don't want to pay 8100 for Aaron Gordon. He's scored over 45 fantasy points uh, one, two, three, four times the entire season. So there's very little upside in Gordon at 8100 I think that he's fine to not roster. Uh, Alfred Payton, I think, is a little interesting at 6900 Same with Evan Fournier at 6100 and Jonathan Simmons at 5300 Those guys also, I think... They have 40 fantasy point ceilings. They're just considerably cheaper than Aaron Gordon. Um, are you saying 40 fantasy point ceilings or 40 fantasy point? Because that does seem kind of low for them. I think there have been games where those guys have outscored 40. You definitely aren't saying 40 point floors though, right? No, no, ceilings. <laughs> no, uh, like, uh, so Alfred Payton, I guess Payton did have one sixty-one point fantasy game, but generally the good games for Alfred Payton are like low 40s. And then same with Fournier and uh, Jonathan Simmons. I think that I think all those guys have comparable ceilings to Aaron Gordon. They're just a lot cheaper. Yeah, I definitely like those guys better than Gordon. And I think I even would use Bismack Biombo over Gordon. Although his minutes have been more unreliable lately with Kem Birch getting more minutes. Because now Biombo's Spates is... Never- even Biombo's good games recently, though, he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes. Since he started, okay, so here's his minutes lately. Uh, so, yeah, the 21, 26, but even his good games before then, 29 minutes, 33, 25, 21, 28, 17, 29. He was just kind of getting a ton of rebounds and blocking a lot of shots and not a lot of minutes. Yeah, but he was playing a few more minutes. He did play 21 last game, and there was a 33-minute game in there um, a few games ago. I don't think we can expect him to get to 30 minutes anytime soon unless Birch falls out of the rotation or Spates doesn't end up playing or something like that. So I think his Based upside is his, just uh, Sorry to cut you off for one second, though. Based on his production for the season, I don't even think 30-plus minutes makes him a great play. For the season, he's scoring 16.4 fantasy points in 18 and a half minutes. So even if you're going to say he plays 30 minutes, that's... Even then, I wouldn't think that he's a good play for that price tag. Like, he's not a good permanent producer. He just had a weird stretch where, for whatever reason, he just scored a lot of fantasy points and not a lot of minutes, and I just wouldn't expect that from him. Well, me saying that I prefer him to Aaron Gordon is more of a knock on Gordon than anything else, because I do agree with you that the better guys to use from the Magic are Simmons and Fournier and Peyton. But just to throw a couple more names in from the Kings, um, Buddy Heald is getting more consistent minutes lately. 
He's been over 30 a couple times, and he's played at least 20 mostly every game for the last month or two. Uh, so I think healed, you can expect 25 to 30 minutes, and the Magic are really bad defensively, and there's a lot of upside for healed because of just the nature of his game. He shoots a lot of threes, and if he happens to have a good shooting game, it could be a big fantasy day. Um, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich has just been really consistent and really reliable for the Kings. I think he's the one guy, um, in at least for their wing players, who we can count on uh, to play minutes every game. Maybe Darren Fox is approaching that category, but uh, Cauley Stein and Labissier in the front court, and then Bogdanovich and Fox maybe in the backcourt. Um, they're not veterans, obviously, so they, they are getting reliable minutes. And I think all of those guys are decent plays. Uh, Cauley Stein's price might be a little high. It's up to 6600 but it is a strong matchup, so I, I don't think he's a bad play. Um, I think there are a lot of Sacramento guys we could use. And this is also the first game on the slate, so we should know who's resting. I think maybe we will get some sort of announcement that George Hill, Vince Carter, Costa Kufis, some combination of those guys are out. And I think we will know that before lock. Yeah, it's uh, uh, let me see. So George Hill rested too. I'm not even going to try to guess. It's too hard to figure. Well, we out. don't need to because uh, they'll they'll tell us before seven o'clock. Uh, next game on the slate is the Brooklyn Nets at the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the Nets are probably the easiest fade team on the entire slate. The Nets have D'Angelo Russell back, but he's playing on a minutes restriction but it still takes away minutes and touches from Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. And also Thunder, one of the better defensive teams in the league. From the Thunder side of the game, I think guys like Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Steven Adams, they're all in play. They're just very risky because there's a ton of blowout potential here. Yeah, I think this is a game to probably just fade. Um, the Thunder do have a good matchup, though. So even in three quarters of a game, Westbrook could easily hit value, and it wouldn't be that surprising. But I don't think it's a great bet. And there are a bunch of other expensive players on this slate and no real punt plays. So it actually would be better, I think, to just build more balanced lineups and ignore Westbrook. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on fading the Nets because they just have such crowded rotations now. And there's a pretty good chance this game ends up being a blowout. I mean, if you want take a chance on Nets guys that should play garbage time, but even that is not easy to predict. Like, Karis LeVert and Alan Crabb theoretically should be in the game when the Nets are trying to come back and shoot threes, but I, I, I don't think we can really try to predict that, and there are just better spots where players have more reliable minutes. So I think I'm I'm off this game for the most part. Okay, the next game on the slate here is the Cleveland Cavaliers at San Antonio Spurs. This is a deceptively good stack spot. The Cavs do have a tough matchup playing in San Antonio. They play slow pace, and they're almost across the board, like the best team at limiting fantasy production to every single position. But LeBron James at 10800 this is just a ridiculously low price for him. I generally haven't been playing him with Isaiah Thomas back, but I'm fine with rostering LeBron at 10800 He's my favorite expensive player on the slate. And then same Isaiah Thomas at 6000 I think he's a really strong play. Kevin Love at 7400 I'm a little concerned about his minutes. He is dealing with an illness, and he is expected to play, except he was expected to play last game also, and he played just three minutes and left the game because he wasn't feeling well. So I'd say he's kind of like a risk-reward GPP play, and he probably won't have a ton of ownership, but I, I think that he's worth a low amount of exposure in GPPs. From the Spurs side of the game, uh, Tony Parker could potentially be rested for this game. This is the front end of a back-to-back -back for the Spurs. Uh, Manu Ginobili has already been ruled out. 
DeJounte Murray is the new starting point guard for the Spurs, so I think that he is a pretty decent play. And then somebody else who I like as a pivot play off of Murray is Patty Mills at 4,200. So Murray is a better permanent producer this year, except oftentimes in close games against better teams, we've seen Patty Mills play more minutes in these situations than Murray. So let's see if we can go back to the beginning of the year. They haven't played the Cavs yet. Um, all right, so I don't have any evidence to support that in terms of actual uh, games from earlier in the year, except there have been times where they go to Patty Mills down the stretch over Murray, and one thing that is a little indicative of this is that Mills is playing 24 minutes per game this year and Murray's playing 21. So I do think per dollar Murray's a better play, but he's also going to be higher on, so that's where I think Patty Mills could make sense to GPP pivot. And then LaMarcus Aldridge is just another really strong target at 8,700. His usage is really high without Kawhi Leonard in there. And let me see if I look at... So outside of, he did have a dud last game, but he's had more games of 40-plus fantasy points this year without Kawhi Leonard than games under 40 fantasy points. So I told you before we started the podcast that I would have a take on this Cavs-Spurs game that you would definitely disagree with, and I was wrong because I agree with everything that you said. Um, the, the thing I feel the strongest about is paying up for LeBron because his price is low, and I think it's low just because of the last two games he had where he was just bad against the Magic. He just didn't shoot well. He shot two of eight at the foul line. He just had a terrible game. And then he played 38 minutes against the Thunder, but that game was a blowout and also just a, a tough matchup. Um, and with Kevin Love potentially not at full strength, LeBron's usage should be fine. I know Isaiah Thomas being around has hurt LeBron's usage a little, but not enough where it makes him a bad play or anything. LeBron still is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. So I'm not concerned. I think LeBron is someone to have a lot of exposure to, and I think he'll be low, lower owned than he should because people will look at the matchup against the Spurs and say that that's a tough matchup on the road, which it sort of is, but it's not as tough as usual. Uh, Pau Gasol also out, so the Spurs could be playing smaller lineups, and the game could be more up pace, uh, worse defense at the rim without Gasol there. So I like LeBron. I like Isaiah Thomas. I think the Kevin Love play is interesting because he probably will be really low owned. Um, so he's someone to maybe have a little bit of exposure to, like you said. But I, I don't think he's a core target. I think it is LeBron, Isaiah Thomas. Um, maybe Jay Crowder gets extra minutes if Kevin Love is limited. He's a pretty boom-bust play. But if, he's, if Crowder's playing in the 30-minute range, then I think he is a really good play at 3,900. And then for the I, third— I, I wouldn't call Jay Crowder boom-bust. I'd call him bust or maybe he's okay. <laughs> but he's had some big fantasy games recently. I'm just pulling up his game log. Uh, he actually had— 30 fantasy points in the last game against the Thunder in only 26 minutes. Uh, he's done that very few times this year. Um, yeah, basically never. He did it uh, early January. He had a 30 fantasy point game also. So there is a lot more bust than boom, I, I guess. But if Kevin Love isn't playing, then it is more minutes for Crowder. He's someone to be light on, I guess, too. So it, it probably just is LeBron and Isaiah Thomas. But I'm with you on the Patty Mills pick also, because he should be a lot lower owned than Murray. I'm going to guess Murray is up there for the highest owned player on the slate, if not the highest owned. And LaMarcus Aldridge will be pretty high owned too. But it's a very strong matchup for him with no Leonard and playing against the Cavs. So th this game is pretty easy to stack with reasonable prices. And it could be a higher scoring game than people think because the Spurs are not at full strength and might be playing smaller lineups without Gasol. Uh, and last thing on this, the total has already moved from 207.5 up to 209. So maybe even some sharp money on the over also. Um, 
Let's see. Okay, so next game on the slate is the Knicks at the Warriors. This game is just a fade for me. The Knicks are massive underdogs. I This is just going to be such a difficult game for them to stay competitive in. The Warriors are at full strength. And then from the Warriors' side of the game, I think a lot of times I'd look at them and I'd say, hey, the Warriors are worth throwing into GPP lineups because there's potential for them to have you know, just some big games at lower ownership. The issue with them here is they are all so much more expensive than they typically are because they've had so many guys in and out of the lineup that everybody's had extra production in the last couple months. So just everybody's priced up. I think this is a pretty easy fade spot. Yeah, in theory, it should be a, an intriguing stack spot on a short slate to take a big underdog in Golden State against the Warriors and hope for a close game. But it doesn't really work because of the pricing on Golden State, but also the pricing on the Knicks. Tim Hardaway on a minutes restriction at 6700 is not usable. Porzingis is sort of fairly priced, but I don't think there's any value on him at 8500 uh, I'll, I'll double-check that because I think that's... Yeah, that's the price, 8500 uh, Michael Beasley, harder for him to get minutes with Hardaway playing. Ennis Cantor is pretty expensive at 6200 There was a time where Cantor was back down to the 5000 range, but... The Knicks are all either fairly priced or slightly overpriced, and I think you could probably say the same about the Warriors. So even at low ownership, I, I don't think there's a lot of upside here. I mean, maybe if the Knicks can get the game to overtime or something, you'll be one of the only people that stacked this game if, if that happens. Uh, but I, I don't think that's really a smart gamble. I think this game is almost certainly a fade. Uh, maybe if you want to use the Knicks bench a little bit, for the scenario where it is a blowout, like Frank Neal Aquino or Kyle O'Quinn, those guys are cheap and maybe could make decent punt plays, but I have really not. Ron not Ron Baker? <laughs> not Ron Baker, let me see. What is Ron Baker priced at? Is he min-priced? I, I would hope so. All right, well, uh, yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> sure. He, he, I can't even find him. Um, no, I, I think I think for the most part, we're, we're in agreement. This is a game to stay away from. Okay, final game on the slate is the Boston Celtics at the Los Angeles Lakers. From the Celtics side of the game, let's see, what do we have? Kyrie Irving at 8900 way too expensive on him for me. Really across the board, I think a lot of the Celtics guys are too expensive. When they have everybody healthy, there's not really a lot of ceiling. The production tends to really get spread out. From the Lakers side of the game, really tough matchup for them. Uh, Lonzo Ball is out again. Contavious Caldwell Pope. What did I just call him? Contavious Caldwell Pope is questionable there to play go. again. He has an Achilles injury. If he can't play, then we probably see Josh Hart start and Jordan Clarkson come off the bench and get extra minutes. Clarkson has been really good lately without Caldwell Pope. But 6500 I just think, is a little bit too much of a price tag for me to pay on him. So, also, a really tough matchup against the Celtics. So, overall, I think the Lakers are another team for me to avoid. I, I just think, by far, the Cleveland Spurs is the best spot on the slate. Yeah, I can't even come up with one player that I think makes sense from the Lakers, because there should be pretty high ownership, too. Julius Randle was really good in his last game at low ownership, so he could be fairly chalky. And Jordan Clarkson had 59 DraftKings points in the last game on Sunday. So, he'll probably pretty, be pretty high-owned also, and it's just a bad matchup. Um, maybe there's upside in Brook Lopez if he actually gets minutes at 4,200 because that's a really cheap price for him. Uh, I, I wouldn't count on the minutes, though. Uh, if, if you want to take the flyer there and he ends up playing 30 minutes maybe to match up with the Celtics' bigger players, then that could be a big upside play. But there's really not a ton of value in the pricing or upside in the pricing for anyone else on the Lakers. Even Lopez is a stretch. And then for the Celtics, I, I guess it's a good matchup on the road against the Lakers, but 
the Lakers aren't that bad defensively, and the presence of Lopez actually is probably the main reason that the Lakers were good defensively at the beginning of the season. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think their defense dropped off a lot when Lopez was out, and it seemed like it's gotten a bit better recently now that he's back. So I, I, I think it, it isn't really as good of a matchup as it seems. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to – I guess – so I guess the roundup for the slate, definitely a lot of Cleveland Spurs and then probably some cheap guys from the Kings, maybe a couple of Orlando players. And I don't really think there's a ton else to target here. So one thing I'll ask you uh, before we end this is, will you have any exposure to Russell Westbrook or are you basically going all in on LeBron? Because I feel like it kind of has to be one or the other. There isn't enough sal- – well, there's going to be leftover salary if you're not using one of the expensive guys in a lineup. Yeah, I think I think LeBron makes more sense uh, just because we like a lot of the Spurs guys also. And that game uh, should be close. The Spurs are, I think it's two-point favorites, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I would say, if I had to guess right now, I, I, I wouldn't say I have 0% Westbrook, but I'd say that it's probably something like 10% or so, and then LeBron would probably be in the rest of the lineups. Yeah, I think it's. Like I think that's fair, and I think it's also doable to build some more balanced lineups where you go with Lamarcus Aldridge, and then I guess there really there really aren't any other expensive players to use. I mean, if you wanted to use Aaron Gordon and Willie Cauley Stein with Lamarcus Aldridge, then I guess you could kind of balance it out that way. But I think it is a better move to just be really heavy on LeBron, especially since he'll probably be pretty low owned. Okay, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. We'll be back for Wednesday's slate.